Our culture, our country, our world is going to hell in a handbasket. The church, too, is so adrift and so disappointing right now. The only solution is to go off the grid and to live in intense Catholicism and community out in the woods until the storms pass and things get better. In fact, you're not a real parishioner here unless you leave behind the clown world of modernity and secular life and follow me off the grid. Now, why? <laughs> some of you weren't sure I was joking. <laughs> In fact, some of you might have been thinking to yourself, I just knew it. I knew if I stayed around long enough, you'd finally show all those cards. <laughs> Now, why would I say such things? I said them hoping that if those ideas shocked you, then you might get just a taste of how shocking the Lord's words were to his apostles in the gospel selection. The gospel selection gives us the final part of the Lord's missionary discourse to his apostles. He's teaching the most intimate band, and he's teaching the apostles what they must do as they will eventually be sent out in his name. In our modern context, we probably downplay what, would have been, what it would have been like for the twelve to hear those words. And that's why I wanted to start by saying some shocking things. I fear that our modern approach or attitudes tend to minimize in our minds what it means to be disciples and the seriousness of the mission to bring others to Christ. The gospel selection is, in context, a teaching directed to the apostles. We might rightly suggest then that our bishops should pay careful attention to this gospel of teaching. They are the successors of the apostles after all, yes, but we too can extend a lesson to ourselves who claim to be disciples. What the Lord says of, of disciples, is required of disciples, is truly shocking. He says, among other things, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Now, perhaps the shocking nature of this demand really doesn't escape us, among the other things he says. It, it sounds harsh to our ears, after all, but recall how a person of Jewish faith who knows the Ten Commandments to be a divine gift and guide might hear those words. A serious Jew knows that the foundational command about our relationships with other persons all stems from the fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother. So these words of Jesus are shocking. The Lord does not say that disciples should break that command. He doesn't say disciples shouldn't honor father and mother. Rather, he says you can't love them more than him if you are to be worthy of him. There is something, someone higher than even the honor we grant and should grant to father and mother. These are radical words. 
because it is a manner by which Jesus is proclaiming himself to be God. While the faithful Jew knows he must honor father and mother as a lifelong duty, the only one who takes higher place is, after all, God himself. Recall the greatest of all the commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. This, in fact, was part of the Jewish creed, we might say, taken from Deuteronomy 6 and stated several times daily by Jews. God himself demands and deserves that kind of allegiance and glory. So wrapped up in the Lord's words that one cannot love father or mother more is also the shocking claim that Jesus is requiring the kind of allegiance that God himself requires and deserves. The Lord adds still more shock. And here is the one among the things he said in this passage that I think we greatly minimize and risk missing. He says, Whoever does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. I suggest we miss the shock value here because over centuries, The cross, for us at least, has become a symbol and a metaphor. We adorn our churches with crosses. We hang them on our walls at home and other places. We wear them. We can buy them in stores with little phrases or scripture quotes on them. And after so many centuries of Christian witness, the cross has become a metaphor for suffering. But that is not at all the way the apostles would have heard this teaching from the Lord. In their time, the cross was not at all a religious symbol by which adherence to a religion could be identified. The cross was not at all a metaphor for suffering. It was quite plainly only a method of execution. It was the most painful, horrific, cruel, and shameful death imaginable. We might risk hearing Jesus' words, whoever does not take up his cross, in sort of a minimalistic way. And that is not how it sounded to the apostles. It was radical and shocking. That's why we need to be shocked out of our tendency to hear the gospel selection as meaning something like, well, things won't always go your way. There will be difficulties and setbacks, but persevere, take up your cross. No, it is much more than that. Now, we are not a religion that seeks to glory in suffering for its own sake. Rather, ours is a religion that believes the thing we tend to fear most, terrible suffering and death, has been transformed by God himself. And it has been transformed by divine love. And thus, when we love God above all things, all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, when we love God above all things, we know that we are called to advance by true charity, true love, to be like the Lord, 
And so make the ascent through this life to the lasting life of heaven. We are to hear and know that we too have a call to so love the Lord above all things that we likewise see in our sufferings and even in our death a method by which, if embraced in faith, losing our life means we are actually seeking and finding a life that knows no end. Now, far from retreating off the grid, at least not yet, (laughs) we should be shaken out of our modern complacency so that we embrace the call to be disciples who engage with the world that God made to be good. We will face difficulties and setbacks. Yes, such is the case in this fallen world, but much more. We will face rejection and accusation and attack, maybe more, from the secular forces that are so clearly having a field day presently. We know this is the case in the world around us. You you can't endure June anymore without a clear indication of how serious Christians are characterized as bigots and haters opposed to the happiness of those who say love is love. Increasingly, even our public institutions force Christian submission to secularism. But our response can't be to flee from the cross. It must be to embrace the cross as the place God transformed the things that cause us fear. Don't turn and run from the call to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Don't turn and run from the call to love the Lord above all things. Don't turn and run from the call to engage in the world with that true charity that will unite us to Christ whose divine love transformed even suffering and death on the cross. Engagement in the world as serious disciples is a means for the conversion of the world and a means for our transformation into fully redeemed life. It's the duty and mission of a disciple. It's at the very heart of our vocation received at holy baptism. Engaging in this world and seeking to convert it is a way we can experience the paradox of the gospel. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it.